Okay, guys, Splendid Torch Podcast. Peachy, how are you doing? I'm outstanding. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm freezing. You should be. I'm freezing. I have yet to uh, acclimate to the cold. So my cold plunge this morning is kind of staying with me. What's it at this morning? It was, uh, I had to chip off some ice this morning. So That's always it, fun. Um, I think it was like 34 by the time I got in. Nice. Cold. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to be manly about my recovery so I don't go back in the sauna mm-hmm. post cold, but I'm struggling. You should have probably gone sauna today. Yeah. If you guys don't know, I was doing jumping jack squats and <laughs> seal, seal jumps, jumps before we started the podcast. <laughs> Get that blood flowing. Yeah. What's going on? Nothing much, man. We, our boy, our little boy Gallagher spread his wings on Thursday. Oh, one of our OGs, Mike Gallagher. He got married. That was a, a good wedding. I never expected Gallagher to get married. He never seemed to be. I mean, he's got he's got a very strong, like, conservative USA streak in him. Like, he's, <laughs> he's like, as American as apple pie, you know? Um, <laughs> but you're right. He also had that wild side. But he, I got to tell you. He had a very wild side. He was always very... I mean, you could Gallagher in general. When you talk to him, he's kind of like, "F it, fuck it." Yeah, you know, that's his attitude. That's how his jujitsu looks and, as well. <laughs> it hasn't changed much in ten years, but she's a sweetheart, man. And I, she's a good girl. As so many times I've said, way, to her, way out of his league. I said to her so many times, "If you're being held captive, <laughs> by, you know, just this blink. is not just blink several times and we'll." No, she she loves him. Yeah. She's also like an old school kind of like she's got a really tight knit like Italian family. What I I was laughing. I'm like, I forget I think I forget who I said it. Maybe it was Marcos or I know I said it to Jen and maybe I think I said it to Tony. I said, you know what? I go, there's an every guy here. You go, what do you mean? I go, every one of these guys has been at my family's weddings. <laughs> Different face, <laughs> yeah. same suit, yeah. same crazy Dago yeah, attitude. Yeah, just that old, old school Italian. It's, but, you know, it's very family oriented. Yeah, it was. And you, like a blue collar, like, you know, honest, hardworking guy like Gallagher, that's very appealing to, it is. to a person like, like Brianna. Yeah. It was an awesome time. It always gets me when we go to these weddings, and we've been to a bunch of people from the school, yeah. how dozens of people come up and say something about jujitsu. Oh, you're the jujitsu guy. You're those guys. You're oh, <laughs> oh, he won't shut up about it. You're the mistress. And dude, and and without exception, every time I go to a wedding of a student or you know one of my teammates, the parents always come up to me and say like, "Thank you for everything you've yeah. done." And I'm like, you know, I always deflect because it's not it's not what I've done. It's it's what jujitsu has done, but it really. You know, because we're really insulated here. Yeah. Not isolated, but we're very, we're very insulated against the bullshit of the outside world. And we see, we see like the best of everybody who we know here. Yeah. And we don't realize that they've, they have these other lives where, you know, maybe they're underperforming or yeah. like, you know, they, they lack discipline. And, and from the outside looking in, like say you're, you're a cousin or a mom and you see like your, your kid used to be like this wandering, like aimless kid. He starts training jujitsu. He changes everything about his life. It's really, you know, powerful to watch. But we see it here every fucking day. So it's not as profound as we'll say. We're we're never numb to it. But, uh, you know, when you see it personally every day, you don't, it's not as like crazy of of a juxtaposition. But for the parents and for like the friends and for the family members, yeah. they are always like, "Holy shit, what the hell are these people doing?" Yeah, it's a new person. They always grab me, and, and 
like you know mr gallagher he he grabbed me off the dance floor <laughs> i'm like whoa <laughs> hey let the magic happen but he was like thanks for for making for straightening my son out making him a man like yeah. they say things like it it's it's a very powerful thing it gives a lot of weight to what we do here and and, and it's not lost on us we know that we yeah you know, when we talk collectively as the staff we we say you know it's it's our job is to help improve people to make them yeah. better versions of themselves i mean i know what's happening on a personal level yes and and we see it a guy like ian who lost 60, 60, pounds, 60 pounds, and he, he's what, like four feet tall? He's about 4.2. Four and a half? Inches, something like that. That's a lot of weight yeah. for a little guy, yeah. a little skateboarding guy. Yeah, and, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, <not laughs> not anymore. Broke, he broke his foot. Dumbass. I mean, look, if I could skateboard like that, I probably would still be doing it. But uh, you could see that transformation. Yeah. And you, we could see somebody who like becomes a little bit more, you know, Gritty, we'll say. Yeah. Where you know an adult comes in and on day one, we're like this guy's as you know, soft as as cotton, you know. But yeah. a year in, it's like holy shit. When did this? When yeah. did like little Tim become the grittiest kid that we've got? Yeah. You get a guy like Russ. Russ. I hate to give Russ any credit at it's all. It's hard. It because one. It's hard. If I get him. one more Facebook, what do you call that? The 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 chat video call butt dial from yeah, him. Yeah, Russ. Russ, man, get a new fucking phone. How about lock it? Yeah. Melissa, we got another I'm, one I'm today. I'm driving and Melissa's like, do you need to get that? Is everything okay? <laughs> it's I'm like, Russ. that's nothing. That's a, that's a mistake. Yes. Russ sending out Russ was Facebook playing. video calls through the coaches group <laughs> Every at all day. times. Every day. But yeah, I mean, a guy like Russ, you know, he's, and I had Nachersky, um, we were talking, I think it was yesterday, we were talking about, it. he goes, dude, Russ was like a new version of himself. You could see it when he competed, it was just new. And I said, part of that is, you know, once you break the cherry, so to speak, you know, once you, once you open that bottle of champagne, it starts pouring a little smoother, you know, and it's just, what it's the, impressive. What the fuck does that mean? Well, you know, when you <laughs> pop it, it's explosive. It's a smooth <laughs> bottle of champagne. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm trying oh, to come up God, with something. I need Al to come back from Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he's... He's really smoothed over. Yeah, he's his getting game. better, man. He's getting better. He's improved. All right. Did you watch the video that he put in the coach's group? I can't competing? watch it because but I, I he just pulls want to point bottom, him out. He did pull guard again. right into this time. He didn't pull bottom side control. He pulled like bottom back. three quarter, <laughs> like you know, when somebody's <laughs> knee slide, but you catch the ankle. Yes. That's what he did. And then he started. Let me which take a guess. is an improvement. Yes, it is. It, did he start setting? I know. Uh, part of the, one of the videos showed him trying to set up that calf slicer that he loved yeah, he so dear. he blew out his own knee. He blew out his own knee. Lesson learned, guy. And I think more people hurt themselves trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I rarely do it. And if I do, I'm very careful about it. You have to be. But now Russ will be too. Yes. But, man, the, yeah, the, the Russ transformation, painful as it might be to just <laughs> give him the credit that he's so I'm not giving him very credit. I'm just acknowledging that it's I know. It, just, it hurts to say it, but you're, you're right, man. He physically has become a completely different person. Yeah. He, you know, the amount of weight he's lost. And I, I gave him a challenge two months ago, maybe because man, he's really serious about becoming somebody new, like yeah. somebody worthy of leadership and, and somebody who can be, as I like to call, a leader of men. Yes. And when I say men, I mean like humans. People and yeah, humans people. in general. Um, and I was like, you, you got to be able to do 10 
pull-ups dude like yeah. you're losing all the weight that's great like now it changed the way your body yeah can can move in space that's a muscle he's doing it yeah he is. he's doing it like he i'm is. it's it's really impressive to see somebody do that because and i say this all the time like the worst thing you could be in life in my opinion is full of shit true there's so many people in what we do in martial arts who they want to be instructors and they want to be coaches and and once you kind of peel back the onion a little bit you realize they just want to be at the cool kids table yes at launch that's yeah. really what it what it is Ross is not that guy. Like Ross, clearly. I mean, he's he's here more than I am now. Yeah. He's here. I think he's here six days a week. He's here quite often. He might be here seven days seven a week. Days. Like man, he's living the jujitsu lifestyle yeah. through and through. He looks completely different as a fucking pterodactyl just flew oh by. My, that's huge. Yeah. Um, but beyond the the way he looks, the way he's carrying himself, yeah, and like the way he can come. I listened to him teach the level two kids the other day. I was really blown away. I was blown away. That's good. He taught the technique the wrong way. Well, you know but, what? You know, hey. We talked about that. He goes, uh, Can't yeah. always be per I know. We so when I was teaching it, I think I taught it on Tuesday. Did you teach it that way too? No. With the guard the open? we do it. No. You got to keep the guard closed. If the guard's open, you go hourglass sweep or something else, tripod mm -hmm. reversal. Yes. But we were talking about it before. I was like, because I was with my father on Monday. And I'm like, uh, he's like, I go, what do we do? He goes, yeah, we did the waiter sweep. I taught it completely wrong. <laughs> well, in his defense, Battle did too. And, you know, Battle's technique uh -huh. is, is unimpeachable. Yes. And I guess you can make the art. So he taught the waiter sweep. When somebody stands up in your guard, the way we teach, in, you know, when we boil things down to either the fundamentals program or like level one, level two for the kids, you have two options. You can open up your guard and you go hourglass sweep, the double ankle hook sweep, or you can keep it closed and you get the single arm hook and the waiter sweep with your hand on the mat. The only way that works is if your guard is closed. Otherwise, yeah. you don't have leverage on the hips. Exactly. I guess Battle did it in a way, as on, probably only Battle can. He had like a cross sleeve grip. Yes. And a strong on their hook. So, like, it worked. It works. And the truth is, man, like, although it's not the best way to teach that technique, the kids were nailing it because just the way the grip was, mm -hmm. it, it was smooth as butter. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. You got to do it the right you way. You got to teach it the right way. So Russ, is, me and Russ are cleaning up late. I think it was Monday night. And uh, I'm like, you know, you, you did great. And I'm, I'm like, I'm giving him like the, the full run. I'm like, you did amazing. Like the way you engaged the kids and, and like uh, you were like the authority figure, but you weren't overly stern, but you also weren't the fun uncle. Like you, yeah. you were doing it the right way, the way I want it done. Uh, you, you know, you reframe the kids. You brought them back in when they needed, like, to get refocused. You, you caught them doing something right. It was really a great class, man. Like, your tonality was good. You even looked like you had a neck for, like, three <laughs> minutes. Like, your posture was okay. Um, he wasn't Uncle Fester? No. But I was like, you taught, but you taught the fucking technique wrong. Yeah. He's like, oh. And he did that look. You know where, he, like, he does yes. that fucking condescending, like, he's ordering, like, like pastrami in a deli <laughs> and it's like too dry. You know that look he does? He's like kind of looking up to the ceiling. I'm like, are we going to argue about this? Yeah. Are you, you did it the wrong way, yeah. but here's why. And it's okay. And then the next day fucking battle did the same way. Jesus. I was like, damn it. But it's all right. Class was still great. I'm it still was, really proud of Ross. He's doing good. He's, he's really progressing. He's definitely getting better. And uh, you love to see it, man. You love to see it. It just shows the, you know, everybody's rising up, you know, 
everybody's still growing everybody's improving and it's a beautiful thing it is i don't know if it's because i'm like turning 40 like i I've realized, i remember way 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 back man this might have been like 14 years ago we were i think me and matakis were like blue belts if you don't know this about chris matakis he used to be gigantic. He was huge. He was a powerlifter, I think he right? Got, yeah, I think he got up to like, and he's like five foot nine. Yeah, he's my. I height. think he got up to like two hundred and sixty pounds, two hundred and seventy pounds, in college, and he was like front squatting, like three seventy five for reps of ten. He was he was massive and he was very very strong. Um, and then by the time he came to Ricardo's, like he was not small by him. He was still like two twenty five. But the deeper he got into jujitsu, the thinner he got, which is pretty natural. Until like you can really regulate your training, um, you know, volume with to like, supplement what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, like you figure it out, and your yeah. body kind of finds homeostasis. And then he got back into lifting, and then he realized pretty quickly he's like, I don't, what the, why am I doing this? Because it's like, it's like building a sandcastle, and it's it's just it's so fleeting, like mm-hmm. it leaves you so quickly. And I remember thinking, and he, he abandoned that that thought, like the whole thought, like it's impermanent, so why do it? Yeah. Because now he really embraces the idea of Sisyphus, you know, who was cursed by the gods to push the boulder up the hill up the for hill. all eternity. Yep. The constant work never ends. No. It never ends. And and I, I was thinking this in the car because whether it's your own body with lifting weights, like dude, a couple bad weeks, you lose all your fucking muscle tone mm-hmm. and like you look like shit. So it's very fleeting, your cardio capacity. Yeah, You don't train for three days, you're fucking gassed. Yes. It, it's even more fleeting than your, your physique. And then I was thinking about like running the school, like man, we're, we're doing really well. We're doing really well. Do we have room to grow? Of course, of course. And we're going to. But uh, even to maintain where we're at, it's the work never ends just to maintain yeah. and that's pretty daunting it's like goddamn like when do you get to come up for air you don't like you're trying you don't but that's the beauty of it that and i the next thought i had like when i first thought it i'm like oh shit dude it just you never stop no and then the next thing i thought was thank god yeah like thank god jujitsu like like what i want for myself on the mat it's demanding across my entire lifespan thank god why yeah. because if left to your own devices, most people choose the easier route, myself included. I'm sure to a certain extent you would too at certain points. Certain points. But this place doesn't allow it. No. In any any like area of our lives, physically, dude, I everybody's gunning for me. Mm-hmm. They're gunning for you too. Oh, I know. Maybe Trust a little me, bit less than me, but they they try to kill me every single role. Yes, they do. Thank God. Why? Yeah. Because I have to hold myself to high higher standards. standards. And then in terms of like, you know the just the actual academy like running the academy i've got to constantly constantly find better ways to welcome new students constantly find ways to recognize and reward our, our the progress of our current students i got to find ways to challenge our most advanced students and that's exhausting but thank god yeah why cuz it forces me to constantly grow yeah. and then along the way when guys like ross become this new version themselves it's very invigorating like it, it kind of adds fuel to that that fire that i already have but it, it, it could always use a couple more logs yeah you know and guys like that and like seeing battle turn into somebody new in collingswood like we knew he would yeah you know it's, it's really like refreshing and reinvigorating you can it, <clears throat> i guess you could call it maintenance mode 
you know, where you're trying to maintain the machine. Yeah. You know, you're giving the oil change, you know, change of the brakes, all that. We use that analogy. It's not terrible, is it? It's maintenance. It's not the worst. Okay, it could be worse. For me, everything's an improvement. It could definitely be a lot worse. <laughs> It's like a bottle of champagne. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, but you know, the maintenance is, is so important just for, just so you can stay on the mat every day. Dude, maintenance, you're saying maintenance, but that's even like kind of misleading because maintenance mode in itself is very demanding. It is, but I, I want it that way. That's yeah. why you do what you do. That's why I, I have five minutes between a Zoom call I'm going to do some kettlebell swings. I'm going to do some resistance band workouts. It's why I don't look good, but I want to be better on the mat. It keeps me maintained physically Dude, to a look, certain you degree. You look pretty good for being 98 years old. 99. 99. Yeah, and, and the work fucking never ends, man. No, it doesn't, but I love that. I, Me personally, I love that. And it was ingrained in me from a very young age to always be keeping the machine tuned. And it wasn't that way. It wasn't brought to me that way. At that time, it was like, you got to do 100 push-ups today. you got to do 200 sit-ups today. And it was always about, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it so I don't get grounded. Yeah. You know? But it, it's one of those things that stuck with me. And I do that, you know? I'll throw down 40, 50 push-ups real quick just to pump them out because I know it's only doing my body better, you know? Yeah. Always trying to maintain whatever it is, you know? Um and improve. It's not, it's not just your body either. It's your mind. Because I got to tell you, there's frustrating moments where it's like, I just get, let me step away. Let me go do 50 push ups. Let me do, you know, uh, 50 kettlebell swings. You know, let me do this. Let me do that. And, and I love it, you know, because it, the one thing that you find, and I don't think a lot of people understand this is, you know, when you're frustrated, just doing something physical. Yeah, get, getting into your body yeah. and getting out of your mind. And tuning your mind and your body all at the same time, it's really important, man. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was thinking about this. I made a video about this, and, and I want to get back to doing more content, and we, uh, we've talked about this a lot. I've gone through different phases with this, yeah. and I've had different relationships to quote-unquote content, but man, the truth is like content is king, and anything you could do to help people get on the mat or help people understand the jujitsu journey more or help people like understand more about their instructors. It yucky though. It might be sometimes like the, the way you do it. It's very nuanced. It is very important. Like I, you, you know me, I never want it to be about me, Yeah. but if I can say something about my experience that resonates with somebody awesome. And if I could say something that I don't know, maybe makes it more appealing for somebody to get their kid into jujitsu. Mm -hmm then you know content i'm okay with it but i it hit me like pretty hard the other day i was in collingswood talking to a new student and he was asking about like when i started and that's that's a big question i'm like started what jujitsu well all right with ricardo or like with my uncle like yeah. in jersey or new york and really if you're gonna go down that you know part of the story then i gotta get into like my karate background yeah. and like it all goes back to like when i was seven and then uh what what was interesting was he he didn't ask like when did you get started he said how long has martial arts been in your life that's a big different question very big difference and I was like well martial arts has always always been in my life because I started when I was seven and then you know I would like leave for football and come back and yeah. then I would leave for like three sports and then come back 
I would always like leave for certain amounts of time and then come back. Sometimes longer than others. Like in college, I was just you were, in yeah. college. Yeah. Um, but I always came back. But martial arts was always in the back of my mind. And everything I did was always through the lens of me feeling like I'm, I'm a martial, martial artist. artist. Like I just feel different than everybody. Like I, the confidence and like I know how to fight. And, and, and what really hit me about that question he asked, like how long has it been in your life? just dawned on me like martial arts has been in my life for you know 30 32 years now holy shit yeah but that also brings with it a lot of other things like all these other like really powerful strange but like powerful things have always been in my life like like bowing and like you know the the traditional aspect of it has always been in my life yeah and why do i bring that up because you see some people get weirded out when we bow Mm -hmm. and like some people think the gi is like fucking ridiculous the gi has been a natural part of my my body since I was seven years old, yeah. and everything else that comes with it. It's just it's been this powerful fucking thing in my life, forever. Yeah, and I want to be a little bit more vocal about these things. I want that to be like, you know, a normal thing. I want everybody to be able to understand, like, yeah, you're doing jujitsu. There's a lot of things that come along with that. Yeah, I want you to embrace it. I uh, I always try to point it out in like when I'm especially when I'm teaching a level two kids. The importance of, you know, you know, we start off with grip fighting, right? And the kids are, you know, goofing around or joking around, whatever. That's fine. But they're grip fighting at the same time. But when they're done, I'm like, everybody, you know, time, that's it. You know, stand in front of your partner and look them in the eyes. You just, you just engaged in war. Yeah. A little bit of war, right? You've just improved yourself by that much, but you've improved yourself. Then we hit the technique. Then we go two and two. And I and I always try to impress upon them. Look, you guys are martial artists. You know, you you hold yourself to a higher standard. You hold your partner to a higher standard because they're willing to engage with you. I like when we, which is very strange though, because I, look, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. When you go into a jujitsu like academy or gym, a lot of the times it doesn't have the same kind of mystique. Yeah, mystique is a word for it. It doesn't have like the air of tradition. It doesn't have like um it's still new. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I think maybe like culturally, but if you go into like like a traditional karate school, oftentimes it's like it's stuffy. Let's call it what it is, but it it's very um like the etiquette is a little bit more strong, mm-hmm. you know, and, and recognized. But I like to sit the kids down <laughs> and go Cuz they're used to the Brazilian Beach lifestyle, yeah, like they're fucking surfers, yeah, dude. It's you know, different. and then permeated jujitsu. But I, I, I will say this, and I don't mean to interrupt you. No, actually, I do mean to interrupt you. Is your background in traditional martial arts bringing that into what we do here reshapes how we look at Brazilian jujitsu? We're we're, yeah. we're like, you are a martial artist. You may not have come from Japan walking around with a sword, you know, with your katana, but you're still a oh, martial I artist. Wish I did. I know, right? Wouldn't that be nice? You no need no need for a concealed carry with that one, <laughs> yeah. but you're impressing upon everybody the importance that we are martial artists. You are a martial artist. Yeah. It, again, it may not have come from the hills of Japan. It came from the beaches it, of Brazil. It did come from the hills of Japan. Though. It did though. The, the, and then made the original, a pit stop in Brazil. In Brazil. Look, but man, there's co- a lot of importance to what we do, and I my I love to impress upon the kids. You're a martial artist. Hold yourself to that standard. Was, yeah, but do you ever class. notice the difference when you we sit the kids down and we're talking like fifty or sixty kids? Yeah, and uh, you know 
every type of kid is represented. <laughs> there's always the high achievers. There's the kids who are looking out the window. Yep. Some kids are eating boogers. Some kids give us the most profound answers you've ever heard. Yes. Um, but you ever notice that when we're talking about like character and we're asking them to, and they give us great responses and the conversations are always really good. Yeah. They give us good examples. But when we're talking about like character, like, you know, like how should like a jujitsu kid act? That's tough for them to answer because they always go confidence, confidence. And when you talk about jujitsu, I think it's so tightly knit to effective fighting mm -hmm. and self-defense. Yes. And, and building confidence. But when you say, how does a martial artist act? Then in their head, it, it conjures up images of like, yeah, like respect and dignity yeah. and integrity. The things that I think we should always inject into our program. Exactly, it's we just, do. I, I think my next mission is, I want jujitsu, when we say those words, I want those images to conjure up in their head. The same images that would conjure up when I say, Martial arts. Mm -hmm. You ever notice there's a fucking disconnect? Yes, there is. And again, I, I, I really tie it back to, even though jiu-jitsu did start in Japan, right? Brazilian jiu-jitsu, as we call it, started differently. It's newer. It's, I mean, instead of, you know, karate being around, you know, is it a thousand years or whatever it is, been along forever. It's just apparently, like different. apparently martial arts started in India like 6,000 years ago or something. It didn't start in, in... It didn't start in Japan. I know that. No. Well, I think I... Karai started in Okinawa. I don't know. But it, apparently... It apparently, it's all started in, in India. Really? Yeah. I'll ask my uncle. He's pretty he's, well-versed he's in all this stuff. He's a very well-knowledge. I'm sure he knows. Which is pretty interesting. It is. I mean, fighting has been around since the dawn of time since they had stones yeah <laughs> get away that. from my cave before that get away from my cave yeah you know i i really think the the tradition and i don't i mean there's look there's a tradition of martial arts where there's a new tradition of brazilian jiu-jitsu and the standing of brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and again it wasn't until ufc one where anybody knew what the hell brazilian jiu-jitsu was so we could say was that 35 years ago it started? 93? Was that, how many years ago is it? 30, 30 years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. I thought it was 35, but yeah, it was, it's 30 years ago when UFC uh, 1 took place, which really was mind-blowing to everybody. Everybody was like, you know, the karate guy's going to win, obviously, or the, the boxer's going to win, obviously. No, it was the jujitsu guy. And yeah, but even that, like, uh, you know, Elio was, he was very refined. Yes, he was. You know, and, and they had like a very structured training environment. And it was, it was you know, a lot of diplomats that probably helped. That changed over the years pretty quickly to becoming like a, like a, a bro culture. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't know if that's like a socioeconomic thing. Like when jujitsu kind of left the, you know, more affluent areas of Rio and went into like the favelas. Yeah. I don't know what happened where it became what it what it became, which the, is the national sport of Brazil, right? But I'm I'm just saying like culture, like the like etiquette wise, and not even the standards, but 
it's just I don't like the bro culture. Yeah, it, it it's just it doesn't have a place on on the mats in it's, my opinion. It's it's one of the things I always loved about. I think one of the things that like I uprooted my whole life to to follow Ricardo because he just he's a modern day samurai. Like mm-hmm. he you could tell he doesn't. I'm not gonna say he didn't like Brazilian culture. Like you know he's fucking Brazilian, but but he didn't like the the bullshitting. Yeah. He didn't like the bullshitting. Like, he ran a tight ship. Even when, like, all the Brazilians were visiting, they all knew, like, you don't fuck around, like, when you're at Ricardo's. Yeah. And when you, th- don't get me wrong, like, they would tell the stories and they would make the jokes, but that was after you trained. Yeah. Like, when, when after two hours of exhaustive training, then it was all right to, like, kind of cut loose a little bit. But even then, you know, because I've been at Henzo's and I've been at a lot of different academies, there was always, like, an air of seriousness and respect and dignity when Ricardo was around. The guys knew. They just, they knew. It was, everybody carried themselves a little bit differently around Ricardo. And I think a big reason was Ricardo really like cut his teeth fighting like MMA. Like he became a pro fighter in Japan. Yeah. And he like rose to prominence in MMA in Japan. And he, I think, fell in love with that culture. And it's one of the reasons. I think he, everybody does. Everybody you hear that goes that was over there, they all said the same thing. Yeah, but there's way. look, there's there's like falling in love with the culture and like getting a kick out of it. Like a lot of the guys who went over there, yeah. were like you know, like Henzo loved it and like they treated him like like royalty. But Henzo's not not the he same. He doesn't way follow as, the Bushido code. He's true. He's like true. he's like late, he's Henzo. Yeah. Ricardo very much like adopted the Bushido code, like the way he carried himself. Yeah. He, I think he fell in love with the culture, but he not only fell in love with the culture, he adopted a lot of the principles. Like he held himself to those same standards. That was very appealing to me, you know, especially coming from like a traditional martial arts background, but just me as like who I am, like I'm very, I'm very prone to like stoicism. Like I, I, like I, I really enjoy that kind of, you know, like mode of living Mm -hmm. and those philosophies. I think it's another reason Ricardo loved Frankie so much. And he loves like a lot of these um, just tough nosed American wrestlers. Yeah. Like a guy like Frankie, because if you look at and not like the flamboyant shit talking wrestling culture, I mean like the like the Dan Gable kind of grind, the grinding, quiet, like I just want to win, do whatever it takes, hold myself to incredibly almost impossible standards. That culture is very closely tied, in my opinion, to samurai culture. Yes. And that's what is so appealing to me. Those things are appealing. Because I can say that like, when we look at the, the warriors of today, whether it be wrestling, jiu-jitsu, MMA, those are the type of guys that appeal to me. You know, yeah. The guys that they're, we're here to do business. I'm here for business. That business looking at what we do in a business aspect, I think is very appealing to me. And I enjoy those types of people. I don't need to hear the shit like McGregor. I'm over McGregor. I could, I could care less if I ever see him again because I, I just don't, it, that doesn't appeal to me that that's smack talk. So yeah. to speak. now when you're in a role with one of your boys, that's okay. Dude, that's a very different thing. That's a very different thing. But, but I think, the holding yourself to that standard and walking at that standard, you want other people to follow that path. I would have rather have somebody like Ricardo 
who walks that path. You know, he's a very he's a very serious guy. You know, when he, he every time he's yeah. been here, every time I've been around him, he's always been a very serious guy. Sure, he's a couple laughs here or there, but for the most part, he well, just he, walks he's a certain he way. He knows when it when you're when he can. He's aware of the moments His that impact. need seriousness. Yes. His impact. He knows that if he walks like around. Like some guys just cannot be serious in moments that require seriousness. True. Why? I don't know. But I could probably guess because they don't take themselves seriously. Yes. And you might think like, oh, you don't take your life too serious. Nobody gets out a lot. All right, motherfucker. Like you get one <laughs> shot at this. You, yes. You should take yourself seriously. Absolutely. You should take your life seriously. You should take the, the standards that you set and the goals you set for yourself seriously. And you should care about the achievements that you do or do not reach. Yes. You should care. Yeah. There should be standards. Yeah. And man, the last few years, anybody who listens to, to me speak, you know, you, that probably means you trained jujitsu. You know what I'm talking about. It got really goofy. Like we're, we tried to do away with standards and, you know, like the <laughs> equivalence of outcome and, and things like that. It's, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. I think everybody should have equal opportunity, but like, there's got to be room for for personal standards and achievement. Yeah, I think realizations because the, the, the other end of that too. spectrum is a dangerous way to go. Yeah, like yeah, Zecker Ecker coming straight off of a Disney cruise. Like, <laughs> look at this guy. He's always tan too. What's up with that? I just want to kick him right in the good leg. But I I think that. I was talking to Melissa about this, and this is not political. This is observational. This has nothing to do with like politics. It has to do with like what I see around me. The more we lean towards, and I guess you, if we're going to really boil this down, is what we're, what we're talking about when we're talking about having um, like finding samurai culture appealing, and and like wrestling culture appealing, and stoicism appealing, and Spartan culture appealing. As, as like a man and as a leader and as a martial artist, it's it's masculinity. And if you boil that down even further, there are millennia of, you know, culture and evolution built into us as as the men that we are yeah. to be protectors. And and why why did that come about? Because at any given time, the marauders are coming over the hills. True. And it's it's ingrained in you that you need to be a protector. protector. You need to be capable in some way. I think way. it's genetic. It's genetic, one hundred percent. Like you said, man, the the second there were like apes and stones, yeah, there were apes beating apes with stones. Yeah, and because they're gonna try to take your saber tooth tiger. Yeah, and I think <laughs> when people eat. hear this this <coughs> kind of talk, that you sound great. When it's people, actually getting better. Totally. When people hear this kind of talk and they're of a certain disposition, they imagine immediately that me saying like masculinity is important. They're thinking, oh, because you want to be the monkey with the stone. No. no. I want to be the one who can stop that fucking monkey with the stone from hitting my, my kids. Yes. That's what I want. Exactly. Because when the marauders come over the hills, they didn't adhere to like the fake kind of culture that you developed yeah. where like it's a utopia that doesn't really exist. And sure. I think recent recent news yes. has indicated that I'm on to something. Yeah. So all that being said, we find all this stuff like, you know, deeply appealing because I think it's deeply ingrained in us. Yes. You it know, is. and then and then right now, like culturally, it's been vilified. I think you might agree, which is why you're rolling your eyes yes. right now. 
but I was having this talk with Melissa the other day because I see it. And like, you know, we, we've got friends who like, they at every turn, they're doing their best to take any hint of masculinity out of their, their song. Yeah. And like, we have a few different friends this way. It drives me nuts. And you know, they, it's almost like the kid gets in trouble if he acts like a boy. Yeah. Like swinging off of trees and stuff or like wrestling with his buddy. Yeah. Man, kids like to wrestle. It's it's part of play. It's yeah. part of their development. And that like that's that's been labeled bad. My thought is this, and my question is this: Who the fuck is going to protect you when like <laughs> the fit hits the shin? Yeah, who the, who the hell is going to protect us as when we need protecting? Our government. Because I'm joking when I full, say that they're full of competency. Yes, they're full of competence. I'm joking when I say that. I think that is. I'm trying to phrase this the right way. And and look, it's like this. My job as a father to my son is different than my job as a father to my daughter. I will prepare my daughter the best I can, but I want to prepare my son for the inevitable moment. I want to make sure that he has the necessary tools that he needs. Because and he, you also need him to learn that he is now a protector. He yeah, and that's the other. So thing. yeah, yes. you you taught him first said, to protect himself, but now right. he knows. Yeah. he is a protect. We've talked about it. he's a sheepdog. Yeah, why? Why do you need a sheepdog? Because the wolves are always lurking. They're always lurking. And I know this sounds like dark and 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 like folks. Let me break it down to you. And this is not political. This is known. It's out there. We're getting what 120,000 people cross the border every day. Oh, this is getting this is getting goofy. No, <laughs> you you got to be ready. You don't know. All right, we're, we're at Gal. I told you a story. Yeah. I'm not going to tell the full story. You you got the <laughs> the full version. Like me and Melissa are walking out of Gallagher's wedding at yeah. one o'clock in the morning, Philadelphia. Walking down to our hotel, we turn the corner and there's a guy sitting on the floor. And the second Melissa walks by him, he stands up and starts following her. It's yeah. one o'clock in the morning. He did not have good intentions. No. Luckily, five feet behind my wife was her husband, me. Yes. And luckily, I there's not a shred of fear in my face, and this guy sees that. And I have the, the confidence to say, hey, motherfucker, sit your ass back down, or I'm going to sit you down. Yeah. And if I adhered to certain cultural suggestions over the years, I wouldn't be that the type of person who could protect my wife in a moment she needed me to. Yeah, you need to be a protector. You have to be. You have to be prepared. You have to be prepared at all times. And there's, I don't think, I think, and, and I'll say that the America, for the most part, has been living a cushy life. And then they're not, most people are not prepared. I think most people are, not here, well, not dude, us. Let's not get like crazy, like prep or anything. No, like no, that. no. It's, I'm not getting prepped. It's way more simple than that. It's way more simple than that. You, and again, I, I want to make sure that we're very clear. There's a big difference between being capable of violence and being violent. Yes. That's the distinction we need to make. Yeah. So let's say I we leave this wedding venue and this guy gets up and starts following my wife and and I didn't believe that I could stop him if I needed to, that would be clear as day. Yes. But the fact that like I say it with conviction and it's very clear, maybe from the way I look, that I'm gonna back up my words, it, it, 
it de-escalates things before violence is even necessary. Now, extrapolate that across an entire society. If and, and think back to like post World War II. Yeah, like those guys, they spoke softly and carried a big stick. Oh yeah. And when you when you carry a big stick, meaning like the way you carry yourself and the way you look and the things you're capable of. It de-escalates things before anything has to happen because people aren't going to take their shot yeah. when there's actual risk of, of violence. Not to say we need to be violent. That's it's two your, different it's your, things. It's your capability towards violence, when you, your capability towards self-defense, your capability in jujitsu. That's a tool that you have in your back pocket that, that screams to the, the world around you like, Everybody chill the fuck out. Yeah. All right. Everybody chill out. Like, I don't want this to get bad. If it does, it's going to be worse for you than it's going to be for me. Yes. But let's not even make that happen. So everybody just chill the fuck out. Relax. Yeah. It's about the escalation. That's my next t-shirt for this school is going to be everybody chill the fuck out. <laughs> I, want, well, I want two that's of them. A, I'll get you two. <clears throat> I think that's important. And again, I, I, the whole idea is, and it, it sounds preppery when I say it. Is preppery a word? It is now. It is now. You hear that, Webster? I think being prepared is very important. And when I say prepared, you know, what we do in here and, and tying it back to the what problem, we do here. Here's the problem. It Pete. prepares you for a lot of things in life. You, look, real quick, you're right. But the word prepared has been hijacked. Like you can't even yeah. use that anymore. That, which is ridiculous. And and I don't mean which it. Which is in how did way. I know, but the second you say that but people, people get offended by everything anymore. You say the so. word prepared, people think you're wearing like a MAGA hat right now. Which is weird. Like I'm wearing a McHugh hat right now. I know. Even worse. <laughs> Dude, the weird thing is, like, if I had an American flag on my truck, what would everybody think? Oh, you're freaking They would think I'm like a nut you're job. Racist, when yeah. did that happen? I don't know. I mean, I, I look guys, I don't. It's okay. I don't. Yeah. But, like, why couldn't you have your own country's flag on your car? That would seem like a lunatic. You should. Isn't that weird? It is weird. And, but anyway, weird you things. can't say pr prepared anymore. But let me help you out. Capable. Capable. That's what it is. Capability. Because when, when you, I get it. When you say, like, you, like, we need to be prepared, you sound like a crazy old man. Like, prepared for what? Like, the uprising? Like, the revolution? No. The invasion? Like, it sounds crazy. But when I say you need to be capable, then it's like, all right. I get it. I need to be capable of protecting my family. Yeah. I need to be capable of like getting off the floor when I'm 70. Yes. I need to be capable of like metabolizing uh, glucose in my blood. Yes. Yeah. Those are the things we're talking about. Yes. I need to be capable of producing oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin so I don't have to rely on SSRIs. Yes. Those are, I have to be capable of like running out to my car if like it's rolling backwards on a hill. American flag. I'm offended. Look at that <clears throat> lunatic. Jesus. I think we should do is something good about this. <laughs> we should. We should. No, I I think you're you're correct about that. Pre saying prepared, I don't know how that's a bad thing to say, but well, it is. Cause, but because it's improving our capability. Because in recent years, preppers have yeah. taken on this whole new like. <laughs> And rightfully so, dude. A lot of these people are fucking lunatics. You don't have cases of MREs in your basement? Well, I've been I've been digging trenches in my backyard. I'm trying to get a, <laughs> a bomb shelter. But yeah, it's marshland. You know, it's really wet. It's been tough. I forget who I was talking to. And they had... The uh, closest I come to prepping is I got a generator. So I got a generator pretty much just so when the freaking power goes out. Yes. 
which is an interesting thing. Like if the grid goes down and you're relying on a generator, you got to get gas for that. Yes. So either way, I'm going to have to like kill all my neighbors and steal like they, their gas. Well, you get their Tesla and you find a way to MacGyver it to run off the Tesla. Good point. Oh, wait a second. You need a battery. For yeah. It. You got to charge that battery. That's why prepping is kind of ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. There's a, I, there's a lot of times I, I, I get these email posts or the, these emails from, for whatever reason, because, you know, you follow this or that. All of a sudden you get another email from an associate. Yeah, everybody's selling your, your yeah. info at all times. And I'm like, Jesus Christmas. I'm not going to buy a 55-gallon drum of, of Chef Boyardee just in case. <laughs> I don't need that in my life, right? Yeah. It's insane. But I, I, you're right. You're right about that. We can't say for prep. No. Prep. But you want to be capable. Oh, I'd like to meal prep. Is that okay? No, well, it's working. You look great. <laughs> yeah, dude, you want to be capable. That, yes. That's really what it boils down to. And we're trying to give everybody here the capabilities. Yeah. And I can also suggest this. Um, do your best to turn your phone off and sit in the silence for like 20 minutes yeah. and realize that there's a lot of noise out there yeah. and a lot of it is not real. True. You know? That that's, is very That's true. one of the good things about jujitsu. And I, I've talked to Melissa about this before. A little bit less now that the kids are getting older and like they go to school. But there was a time, man. There was like four years of my life where no matter what I did, there was just noise everywhere. Yeah. Even like in the in the quote unquote silence of, of trying to put the babies to sleep, there's just noise. Yeah. And most of it's like in your head. Like it's really hard to just like sit in the silence. So it's like you go out on the deck and there's like three different air conditioning units humming away and <laughs> planes are flying overhead. And then it's like, all right, I'm, I'll go for a walk in the woods. And then there's friggin' like landscapers everywhere. It's yeah. just, it's, it's hard to find silence. But the beauty in the silence is you start to realize like, Things are fucking fine. Yeah. Everything is fine. And that's where jujitsu comes in. Jujitsu, when I'm training, it might be the only time where everything is completely shut off. Yeah. Everything is just shut off. There's I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about making the curriculum better. I'm not thinking about getting like like how do we respond to leads better? I'm not thinking about like, oh man, I gotta get scarred or like soccer tonight. I'm thinking about I gotta pass this guard and choke this motherfucker out. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Or I'm thinking like, God damn, I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I got to start jogging a little bit more. Yeah. And that's that's like a powerful moment of silence. Like that just, like talking about the benefits across your entire system, your whole body just yeah. resets, man. There's a, uh, in the runner world, there's the, 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 the infighting between people that run with the iPhone on. Yeah. And then people that run in silence. Yes. And you'll have people that say, no, it's about hearing your foot hit the, hit the ground. I can see hit that. the pavement. Yeah, like that, that um, metronome. Yes. It's very hypnotic. You can track your speed better. You have it built into your head where you start, you hear the tone, right? And what do like you do? Do you do headphones or no? I do both. I do, do both. both. You know what I find myself doing is like I'll slap on like a book on tape. Yeah. And I'll, I'll like run and... And halfway through, it dawns on me. I'm like, this is cheating. Yeah. Like, you're, you're cheating. Like, you're hiding from the, like, the discomfort of being alone with your own thoughts. Yeah. And I take it out, and then the thoughts only last for a minute. And then, like, you get into this weird metronome kind of rhythm yeah. where it's just the state of no mind. Yeah. I enjoy the metronome. I enjoy I, – I, I would always track my my pace by, you know – your your the balls of your feet hitting the mat or hitting the uh, the pavement, and there's a beauty to that, you know. But I also I know for myself, 
Like if I was going for the long run, if I'm going to do, you know, 20 or something, I wouldn't, I would throw the headphones on for a little bit there. Yeah. Throw the headphones on. It's not the whole time, but just for a little bit. Cause every time you need a little break because you get to the point where you start getting in your head a little bit, you beat down that monster. You're like, I'm gold. I'm gold right now. And I'll just throw the headphones on. So I'm good here. Dude, it's like training. Yeah. Like when we have the music on, yeah. it, you can squeeze like three more rounds in. There's a lot to that. The, you get motivation through music. You, If you're out of rhythm, if you have two left feet, so to speak, uh-huh. all of a sudden you, oh, you're Fred Astaire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're dancing here, man. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot of power in it, man. Hitting the pavement. Yeah. I was listening to Mark Bell was talking about it. Mark Bell was like a a champion, power lifter, record setting power yeah. lifter, and then he got into into more like running and, and got like real trim. I mean, he's still jacked, yeah. but he's not like three hundred and fifty pounds anymore. Fell in love with running. I don't know if you follow him. No. Runs every day, and it, it's good because he's a big guy. He's not built like a runner at all, and he gives like very good like cues on how to run in a sustainable way, especially if like you're a bigger guy and like your knees are hurting. And uh, he was talking about he went for like a long run and he was listening to an album. And then before he knew it, the album was, it cut out like an hour before. Yeah. So he got into such like this, this rhythm, this state, loving the music, getting into it. And then the fucking whole album plays through and he's still running. And it's been like 40 minutes of silence and he didn't even realize it was silent. Like that's the that's a powerful state of mind. Yeah. That's a powerful powerful state of mind that a lot of people will never experience. They're afraid of it. Well, I think I think I think a lot of people are well, afraid of their own. Because how thoughts. are you? How do you get to that spot in the first place? Like, dude, you don't just go out and start running and you can get to that state of mind. You got to build and build yes. and build and build. Early on, I think headphones are important because it helps you just. You're not thinking about. Well, you need being the foundation out. of your legs yes. to carry you through the mental. Yeah. You have barriers. To, I think a lot of it is because, man, I'm telling you, so many people go out there, they'll run and like, ah, I'm done. I can't do this. It's boring. But if you put headphones on, it'll get you to the point where you start getting your miles in. Then you can get to the part where you're mature enough to be able to go, I'm just going to go run. I'm just going to go out for a run. Oh, my headphones don't work. Screw it. I throw them to the side. I just go for a run. Yeah. I'll get my five, six in. I'll feel good when I'm done. You know, there's a lot to it. I think it could be, it could help bridge the gap between being a, uh, a newbie and somebody that's got the experience. Train, they're like training wheels. Exactly, and it'll help you get through those training wheels. Then you get to the point where you're like, I don't need it. I don't need it because I used to. I would do that, especially when I was down at the tech center. I'd go out. I said, Look, I got 45 minutes. I got to get seven miles in. I got 45 minutes. I here. What I have so much time. I got to get my miles in. If I'm messing around with my phone the whole time, it's going to take time away from that. It's also way easier to run with with a buddy. Yes, I think about it all the time, like starting a talk, like a, a like an acute jujitsu running group. Yeah. Or like at least get everybody together every Sunday for like a big hike. Yeah, you know we could rock through the 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 woods. Um, That'd be good. Because man, when you got buddies around you, you can just go forever. That's there, there's a lot to that. Like I'll go with Matakis in the woods. We'll do like nineteen or twenty miles. Yeah. If I was by myself, I would do like three or four. Yeah. It's just a different animal. The buddy system. There's a lot to it. Yeah. So. Um. All right. We'll wrap up, dude. We got a lot coming up. Yep. We got a seminar on Friday night, six thirty. Guys, let's pack the mat. So we got Frankie coming, Frankie Egger. Frankie Egger, Nick Catone. Yep. Got my black belt with Frankie. He's an awesome guy. Nick Catone fought in the UFC. He's got one of the biggest schools in Jersey. Places like 30,000 square Huge. feet. Albert Cook. 
He's down there with him. Cook is there. Yeah. One of our OGs. Um, Elise Shaw is coming from Riverfront. Yep. And then you got another guy coming. Alex right? Dalanoy. He's from Butler. Uh, he's got Batali Jiu-Jitsu. Is he a French guy? Yes. He's French. He's French, but he doesn't speak with a French accent. Although, oh, what right. he's doing is he's got a whole thing over in France where he's doing a one-week excursion mm-hmm. where they go over there, they train, and then they go and... Taste wines and eat cheese? Yeah, all that stuff. He, he takes him around, shows everybody, because that's where he's originally from. That's cool. But again, he's a guy that was, you know, went to Penn State. He was a high-level wrestler. Oh, wow. He, did, uh, he was a lifelong martial artist, sambo, judo. He's got a wealth of knowledge, and he's got a really good game. He's a younger guy. I think he's like 28. Yeah. Really smart guy, too. What's the date on that? Uh, this 18th? Friday, 17th. 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 All right, that's Friday, 17th. No classes. We're not going to have classes. Actually, we'll have the kids' class. Kids' class, yeah. But no adults. Yep. Um. And then we've got the in-house tournament yes. is December 9th. Awesome. Which is freaking exciting. Black belt ceremony, Big December one. 16th. December 16th. Here we go. What are we doing that night? Oh, that's the oh, holiday yeah, party. That's the holiday party. Yeah, well, they don't need to know about no. that. Sorry, you guys aren't invited. Sorry, Coaches guys. only. But uh, we have an exciting sprint coming up right now. There's a lot of things coming on. Next week is obviously Thanksgiving. We're going to get fat and happy. That's um, right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this season. Last year was not as enjoyable for us. This year is starting to turn around, we'll say. Yeah, dude, Jen looks yeah, great, man. She does. She's uh, she's inspired to start. Uh, I'm Her hair's to curling it. back in. <laughs> she's good. She's got the uh, It's a good look. The she's fro pulling going it off. On. Yeah. I'm hoping she talks about coming back to jiu-jitsu. That'd too. be cool. Yeah, we'd love to have her back here, get her training. It's awesome. You know, nice. She's trying to get back one step at a time. So it's been a uh, great year. But, uh, guys, don't forget, all this money that we raise on Friday goes towards scholarships for uh, disabled veterans. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to bring the trophy up here. We could put it up here, I guess, because it doesn't look, do anything in my basement. What trophy? The trophy the for the Northeast region. Dallas. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, um, look, we've done some pretty amazing things in a short period of time, and it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're looking for more ways to, uh, to improve it. And what we do for We to Five through our group of guys, I got to – all the guys are just top-notch. Top-notch guys. We have all the ambassadors here. Everybody's looking to get involved. And then you got guys that aren't in We to Five, like uh, Marcin and Callen. Guys are all about trying to help out and do everything yeah. they can. They're all well, about I think it. they know what jiu-jitsu could do for people. Exactly. And they know, like, they know some veterans. Yes, you know? they like, do. They're all tied in. It's a powerful thing, man. Our job is to share it, and that's what it all comes. This comes down to everything that we do here. It's to share this. Yeah, we I, we do not need to grow. We don't need to grow. No, we want to grow because we know what this does. And if you, if that's not obvious, I mean, I don't know what you've been listening to. Yeah, but man, like everybody, everybody can get one of their buddies to join them for a beer at Chickies. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have influence over people. You could get them to come have some wings. Yeah. And a beer and watch the the Giants get fucking demolished by, by the local, Cowboys by the local <laughs> high school team. It's been a painful season. Yes, it has. But like, can you get them to change their life? And I I understand that the the hurdle, the barrier of entry to put on a gi and doing jujitsu for the first time is much higher than getting a beer at Chickies. Yeah. But you're creative, yeah. you know. And like, if you really love the people in your life, like you know what this would do for them. Yep. You know, like, let's get more people training. And it doesn't have to be here. Just get somebody on the mat, like, wherever they live. Yeah. I think that's that's the important thing. 
And I've, I've said it to people. I said, look, I'm, you don't have to come train with us. I don't care. Go train wherever you want to train, but train. Yeah. Train. You know, be capable. Learn to be capable. Yep. And then go buy a 50-gallon drum of rice aroni. And Chef Boyardee. And, and go prep. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. All right, guys. See you.